Hey, look who it is. It's Professor Farnsworth. I don't believe it. Believe it or not. Oh, boy. You're listening to the Nerd Off Podcast. And it's right here. I know that I can do better. Hey, this is Billy West from Futurama. And here comes Professor Farnsworth again. I know I messed up the last one. So this is take two. Good news, everyone. I... We, oh, uh, you're listening to the Nerd Off Podcast. You're one stop for this sort of thing. Nerd On. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve, where all levels of nerd are welcome. Today, mm-hmm. we have a very, very special episode. Yes. We are talking to our... Uh, and in, and in, see, I can't even use my words. Oh, I'm so really excited. It's really hard, I know. This is, um, yeah. But in celebration of 20 years of Futurama, mm. we thought we'd just chill out and talk with the one and only Billy West. Uh. But a little bit of housekeeping before we get into that. Fine. I'm Josh. Corey. Caitlin. Yeah. Ollie. And my name's Tom. And this episode is brought to you in part by our patrons over at Patreon. Patreon. There it is. You guys allow us to keep the lights on, and we appreciate you so much. If you are new to Patreon and don't know what that is, it's essentially a membership service where you can... Basically support your favorite creators like Nerd On and you get mm-hmm. goodies like bonus episodes, Discord server, discounts on merch, early access, all sorts of stuff. Many, many things. Yes, many, many things. But go and check out patreon.com backslash nerd on TV. Let's get into it. Today we are talking to an in-studio guest. I mean, this is really, really special. Yeah. For me specifically, I'm getting tingles. Um, the voice of Philip J. Fry. Zap Brannigan, Professor Farnsworth, Ren from Ren and Stimpy, and Stimpy, to be exact, and the Red M&M, Billy West. Hey. Yeah. Thank oh you so gosh. much Hello. for being on the show. There's a party going on here. It is. It is a thousand more voices, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So do you film these, or is this audio? Um, just audio. This is just it's audio. It's my favorite thing of all. I idolized radio people and... You know, I used to listen to a guy named Stan Freeberg when I was a little boy, and I grew up to meet him. And I and I listened to all his comedy records and all his radio shows. And I said, uh, when I met him, I said, "Geez, I was telling him, oh, I remember when you you had Dawes Butler on your show. Dawes Butler was from Hanna Barbera. He did yeah. Yogi and Hawk yeah, and all yeah. those. Nice. And he's, you know, he told me, yeah, he was in the cast, and June Foray was in the cast, and everything. And I, I, I just told him so much what I knew about him, and he said." You know more about me than I do. <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, but you did so much. He said, well, I was a young guy, uh, you know. But but it's like when I was doing Ren and Stimpy, I hadn't done, like, volumes of work. And so all these years go by, and somebody will do the same thing to me now. Hey, remember when uh, you, you played that Percy Femur, the, a bully that beat up Roger on Doug? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'll go... I have to really stop and think about it because they know all this stuff, yeah. which is so, I'm so honored. I'm very lucky, you know? 
one of those no. full circle moments, you know? It is. You just go, whoa. Uh, all right. Where you you were meeting all of your idols and now we're meeting ours. Oh yeah, my right. god. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's the, the time space continuum. I'm <laughs> a construct. So you just yeah, never right. know. Well, when I was um very, very young, I mean you're talking to one of the biggest nerds that ever lived. You know, I don't <laughs> you're I don't mean, welcome. <laughs> I don't mean in technical terms or anything like that. I used to do things to try and expand my uh, my consciousness, because um, I was an abused child and I went inward. Mm-hmm. I, I I used to have to look around every corner before I came out. I had to, like, worry about getting screamed at or hit. And um, so I lived in my own world. And one day I took my father's uh, Navy mirror. It was a survival mirror. If you were on an island, you know, and the sun would make mm-hmm. a signal to a to a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An airplane. SOS kind of military craft. So this came in handy because it was very small. And what I learned to do, I wanted to change my perception badly because I guess it's because I hated the world that I lived in and I was so fearful of it. So I was trying to create a new world. Mm -hmm. And I would walk down the hallways with this mirror to the side or underneath like this. And I would look down at it and I would see the ceiling and the hanging light, but it looked as if it was in front of me. As I walked down the hall, I had to step over the light, Uh, you know, because it felt like I was going to trip over it. And I said, I like this. You know, no wonder I spent some time as a drug addict and a drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you wanted to change your perspective. Perspective change. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, but I, I was forced to do those things and I loved radio so much and I loved TV And back in those days, you couldn't capture television. There was no way to preserve it and and own it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like watching the coolest thing I ever saw in my life, and I'd be desperate, sweating, that in five seconds, it'll be gone forever, and I'll never see it again. That was a desperation that me and all the guys like me and women had. You were trying to absorb it on the run. And then if someone said, uh, so what'd you do last night? Oh, I saw this really cool show. Oh, yeah, what was it? Oh, it was The Man from UNCLE, a spy show. Oh, I didn't see it. Here, let me show you how it went. Right. (laughs) You know, and I would do that. I used to tape it as soon as I got my first reel-to-reel tape recorder, a little square one with oxide tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, not even cassettes yet. (laughs) But I used to tape reams of dialogue and go listen to it in my room. And um, people... My mom didn't know what to make of me. I talked to my aunt once on the phone, and she said, you were a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds yeah. right for the nerd course. But I just, I I was my own best friend, you know? I, yeah. yeah. I would go off, and I'd wander around, and all of a sudden I'd start doing commentary. Even when I was really young, like three years old, I used to take the potato masher out of the drawer and set it up in a window. And so the handle was sticking up. It looked like a microphone. Oh, (laughs) nice. So, I mean, I was at that, interested in that world right from day one. You just kind of knew. Creativity was Without knowing, you knew what you were headed for. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and there was also some cereal. I forget what it was. It was probably like some dopey cereal, like Kix or something. And on the back, if you took the coupon, you could send it in. And there was this little round microphone. Oh, oh when you sent it in for the, the prizes and, and it stuff. had a screen on it. Oh. And 
I wanted it so badly. So we sent the coupon in and it actually came. I saw the square little cardboard box. We get it out of there and it doesn't work. You're supposed to hook it up to a radio. But it doesn't work. But I didn't care. I did not care. It was the whole idea of having it and talking into it. Yeah. It's tangible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the desperation is what gave us our strengths. Yeah. Being deprived of stuff. So you wanted to hear it and see it so bad you'd find a way to recreate it mm-hmm. like your life depended on it. And yeah, so now it's all on like discs and stuff. And now yeah, it's right. like, hey, did you see that? No, but I'll watch it next week. But yeah, yeah. that, that restrictiveness like gives you that room for creativity. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like it allows you to think of different ways to like reimagine things and do uh-huh. that. Because you only had it the once. But, you know, you're learning a set of rules in a field that you knew barely existed. I mean, I didn't even think of the field of voiceover. Mm -hmm. I knew there was these adults that were responsible for what you were hearing. And I said, they must be really crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) I knew at a very young age that I said, these are people, but what kind of people? Right. You know, and I... and. Asking like that, it, it was almost like you're putting it out there, yeah. you know, because you would be one of those people. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, something like that, if you go looking for it, it's like anything else. If you go looking for love and you've got your specific type in mind, you ain't going to meet anybody decent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd be better off going to a sawmill town in Michigan, you know, <laughs> marrying the waitress yeah, at right. the diner rather than go around Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks yes. for the advice. Thanks yeah. for the advice. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. <laughs> Real quick. Um, I mean, with that, I mean, one thing that I read about you is that you didn't really get into radio and voiceover until your 30s, and it sounds yes. like you've been into it since you were a little kid. Like, I was as a, a totally, I guess, obsessed kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm that I loved the sound of people's voices on the radio. There were announcers like Paul Harvey. (laughs) Good day, Americans. Hello, Americans. This is Paul Harvey. Good day. You know, and there was this guy, he was a big, he sounded like a big mean bruiser, but he was articulate and his name was Alex Dreyer. Oh. You know, and he sounded like another one of my heroes named Jackson Beck. Okay. Okay. Jackson Beck. He did, um, Pluto and the Popeye. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He okay. did. Um, oh god. Oh, in the Little Caesars commercials. Little. Not the guy that went pizza pizza. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was the ad exec for the account. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> he went all the Cleos, but Jackson Beck went at Little Caesars. You can oh. get a crazy eight topping. You know his voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. 100%. But I mean, one day to wake up and and actually. Dial them up so they existed once more around me. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it was me doing it, yeah, um, was like magic to me. And I and I didn't know anybody else that gave a dismal damn, you know, yeah. about that stuff. Yeah, and what's comic like, books. Well, I mean, yeah, right. you're, it, what's so funny is like you're in a room full of people that appreciate every single thing that you did. Like, I mean it when I say like you are a voice of my childhood. So wow. like. Ren and Stimpy was one of those things that I know I wasn't supposed to watch. Oh. <laughs> but yeah. I look back and there are things, there are references that I make in my brain. Like my wife, my wife's a big fan of yours as well. Wow. And we have jokes that will will run between each other because of Ren and Stimpy of wow. like, yeah. and it's just like, that's 
I mean, that's what you've done. You yeah. sick little monkey. <laughs> hey, Rem, were you button me? <laughs> Perfect. So, Give me goosebumps. 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 I picked a magic nose goblin. Greenpeace. <laughs> <laughs> So how does it how does it feel to kind of come full circle and sort of things uh, such as like you said one of your heroes was in Popeye to to, to then go on and play Popeye or or look up to people like Mel Jack Blanc. Mercer was the voice of Popeye yeah. originally yeah yeah he was <clears throat> he was this little very reticent looking worried little man I don't know if he was worried but he did look like a bookkeeper <laughs> yeah. and he was on to tell the truth once and he and they said. Um, one of these three guests is the actual voice of Popeye, and then they do the what the guy wrote. Right. I was the voice of Popeye the Sailor Man for how many decades? And then the the celebrity panel would ask them questions. You've seen the game yeah, show. Yeah, they Network. try to guess yeah. what he what he what he is. Yeah, and there's this little guy sitting there. One guy was very verbose and had a lot to say, so they were thinking, well, that's his business. He use he's on a microphone, and his voice is in. Media, right. I mean, television and uh, cartoons at the movies. So uh, he said, my name is Jack Mercer and I'm the voice of Popeye, <laughs> you know, and and I recognized it from its undertone. Wow. Really? Yep. And uh, trained ear. Yeah. So I never, we all sucked at doing Popeye. It was just, <laughs> it didn't sound right. It sounded it's like an easy thing to do. Well, buzzsaw. And I, and I, I saw an old interview where you said tube and throat singing is what taught you how to do Popeye. Right. Yeah, because I couldn't ask um, Jack Mercer. Not right. exactly. How yeah. the hell do you? you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I how found it honestly. Was, was that like a, a was that a long process to learn how to manipulate that in your voice? I went to go see it at the theater with my friend Tony Visconti. Tony Visconti produced. A lot of David Bowie's best stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. Holy he was the uh, producer, musical director, everything. And he called me up and he said, you might be interested in this. <laughs> and I and I go to the theater with him. And it's the story of this blind folk singer, this, um, this big guy who was blind. He sat home and he listened to the radio. He wrote big old jet airliner for... Steve oh, yeah. Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think his I name that. was Paul Pena or something like that. And he would listen to a world band shortwave radio and he would he'd turn it to this channel and it wasn't static except he thought that it wasn't coming in. It sounded like a human, but it wasn't. And it was Tuvan Throat Singers, some program oh. on. And he was so fascinated that he had to go to Tuva. To go meet them. Whoa. Because they would produce different tones in their voice. Yeah. They the go, you know, they would do yeah. a whistle over it. <laughs> you know, you hear the whistle. Yeah. yeah. And it's a pentatonic scale. Ba 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 da da. And um, you know, and then I said, they're running these cowboys. They're, you know. It's a horse. Middle East. I mean, community. not Middle Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. Asian cowboys who uh, they had a horse beat culture. You know, that's where we got our country music mm -hmm. from, from riding on a horse. And that's where we got our early songs from. And out there, they have the same thing, and you hear the same kind of intro. They were using a banjo, and somebody, <laughs> yeah. somebody yeah. else had a flute, you know. Ding, ding, ding. And then you hear. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little different. <laughs> wow. Those are so it was like Popeye. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yoo-hoo, olive oil. I brung you some flowers. Whoa. <laughs> wow. It's so cool to hear. It's almost like two so his going at once. high voice. Um, you know, I brung you some flowers. And then the low voice, an octave or two lower, but mm. but even because right. it doesn't create a, what they call I was a say it sine like wave. Octave, yeah. Yeah, but it's but it's even. It doesn't fight itself. Um so it's like um I you know. Wow. That fights itself. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I pop by the sailor man. I pop by the sailor man. You, you. And um, that's amazing. And here's this little guy. My name is Jack Mercer. <laughs> you know, just more stuff to make my head explode. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Of, of things being completely different than it's that perspective shift. So you yeah. were expecting one thing and it's completely different. Yes. And yeah. and I feel like voiceover, especially perspective shift is what it's all about mm-hmm. because you, you have to shift your perspective because you have nothing to go off of. Well, nobody can see these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you've got this much, a little flesh reed to create heavens and hells and- <laughs> You know, when I think about it, you can act, you can cool. move your arms around and you know make faces all you want. I do all that, but but it's because I <laughs> yeah right. I put, throw myself into things. I've stood up on chairs and and leaned over to the microphone, which was below me, to scream as loud as I could. You know, and it's well, proven to work. You know, yeah, like, right. Uh, it's, 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 obviously, you're doing something right. There's a reason why your voice is really recognizable. So, but um. You know, and I saw shows like the Jack Benny show, and they're all on YouTube. You can go back and watch this Christmas mm-hmm. episode with Jack Benny trying to buy a buy gifts for his staff. You know, gee, I, I bet you Rochester would love this watch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, there's so many characters that were on it. But Mel Blanc was one of the characters mm-hmm. on his radio show. This was while he was doing the Warner Brothers cartoons, and oh. he played this clerk. Uh, who would sell people, you know, watches or gifts and everything. And he, uh, Jack Benny wanted to buy a watch from, oh, yes, sir, this is a very fine watch. You know, and that's what Mel <laughs> yeah. sounded like. Yeah. I'm just freaking oh, out. Oh, you're going to love that watch. You know, and uh, he says, can I get it gift wrapped? Oh, yeah, sure. The gift department is right over there, sir. And And then he comes back and the gift is all, and then he goes, do you think you could undo this? So I forgot to write something on the card, <laughs> you know, and he goes, I suppose we could do that, you know, yeah. and he's patient and he's patient. And then every time something gets wrapped, he comes back and he wants to change, change. another oh thing. My gosh. Finally, uh, Mel Blanc loses it. But here's this little guy standing behind a counter and he's a, he's a total force of nature. It's one of the greatest things I ever saw. You got to see it. You got to oh, look it up. Help. Where um, Mel Blanc, uh, Mel Blanc is, you know, had it with that guy, and mm-hmm. he's ready to explode. But uh, Jack Benny comes back. He goes, "Oh, clerk, <laughs> now what? <laughs> now what? <laughs> you know, now what? <laughs> he loses oh my mind. <laughs> he loses his mind. And then there was another time where Jack Benny came back, and he went, 
Yeah, can I help you? It's <laughs> <laughs> a manipulation of a voice, like on any other. But the thing is, is you can enjoy that without even looking That's at it. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it could be another. They radio were all show. radio performers, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. they knew what sounded funny, and just the addition that they could be there and, um, you know, not overact. They mm-hmm. were Jack Benny was kind of broad, <laughs> but that was his style. Right. Yeah. He was yeah. a serious guy reacting um, to the crazy around him, so to speak. He, yeah. But he set the template to shows like Seinfeld where yeah. where he's sort of bedeviled by all these crazy people around him. Yeah. You know, and he surrounded himself with super talents, and that's what Jack Benny did. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, I mean, it was just it one more place to find stuff. Um, and I, I met um, – when I got into radio – I met June Foray and uh, Bill Scott, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they came to the radio station, and I was just thrilled to death looking at the two oh, of bet. them doing their thing, you know. And then they left, and I was like, wow, there they go. So I went out to lunch, and I came back, and there was a post-it note that said, Bill and June want you to come to New England Life Hall with them tonight to narrate. <gasps> no kidding. Yeah, to be the announcer for the metal Moon munching mice. <laughs> so I was doing the William Conrad, and the plucky squirrel flew to the top of the windowsill. You know, wow. yeah. Yeah, he was just—he yeah, yeah. had a big voice, and he was really cool. Your ability to take on on like a character yeah. and a voice to to such a minute degree is very impressive. Yeah. Like it, it's Thank like you. very surreal at moments where it's just like, oh, oh, oh my God, you well, are that spot on. Everyone at home, just close your eyes. Yeah, We're right. listening to this entire episode, please. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because you have taken on some quite established characters. Uh, and I was just wondering what kind of, what kind of, their fear, excitement comes along with stuff like doing Bugs Bunny. Or, I, re- I think I read your favorite's Elmer Fudd. Um, he's kind of... My favorite because he's like a brain dead hunter. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, nothing funnier, I guess. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) But but he was like a three-year-old. And he would go from a three-year-old to a screaming maniac in a split second, like zero to 60. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, shh, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. <laughs> and then he would say, Oh, wait, say your prayers, wabbit. Yeah, you know, right. he would just get like manic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to follow it up with it. When, when you're you, you approaching a character like, like Elmer Fudd or Bugs Bunny or anything like that, is there, I mean, I'm sure there's a, a fair share of excitement, but also maybe some, if there's any fear that goes along with that. Or, yes, for yeah, Bugs I'm Bunny. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah, for because. Because you have to pick an era. Mm, he yeah. sounded different oh. in different eras, mm-hmm. like in the the late, no, the early 40s. He sounded different. You know, he was like, uh, so long, Scrooey. See you in St. Louis. Yeah, right. You know, he's like, eh, what's up, Doc? You know, and then his voice got a little higher in the 50s and, uh, yeah. Ooh, don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah. Ain't I a little stinker? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, very, it's really cool. Man. And, a- um, you know, I did Space Jam as Elmer and uh, Bugs. Yeah. And every time we were recording, some nosy person would pop in the door. He sounds too Jewish. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, or another person would note. come in. He says, um, he's too Brooklyn. 
Wow. You got to sweeten him up a little. He's too tough. You know, and, and finally, it's like, eh, shit <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right, right, right. And um, there's a final word. Mwah! <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, just to follow that, you mentioned about voices changing over time. And I read an interview you did a while back pointing out if you listen to, you know, Homer Simpson from yes. season one to like episode 800, <laughs> it changed, right? So like a character you come up with yourself, I was wondering how much prep time you get before going into something like Futurama with Fry and, and how you, how they change over time. Well, you have to go with what you did and what they liked in the audition. Mm -hmm. And Professor Farnsworth was just not as angry mm. and old, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> you know, and pissed off. He was sort of kind of, uh, he wasn't gruff. His voice wasn't raspy. You know, he went from, oh my, you know, to, oh my. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, I mean, but it finds itself. I was going to say, is that natural? It, like, it becomes what it's supposed to be. Yeah. You just yeah. kind of let just, them take over. You let it, it go, but like I mean, you really, like you said, you get into something and you're like, yes, I'm Billy West, well, but now I'm Farnsworth. But, but Matt Groening told me, like, we're doing Disenchantment. Mm hmm. And he said, now that a couple of seasons have been recorded, he said, now we know who they are. Mm -hmm. and, wow. and it's like we learn the same thing. Now we understand who they are and how we can, um, you know, go off without asking permission, you know, just trying stuff. Yeah. yeah. I always wondered about that process of going in. Like, what was that like going in for maybe one part? And then was it just the fact that you gave great auditions on every character for Futurama that they were like, yeah, let's just have him do all you, the voices. All the <laughs> go in for how, one how thing and end work? up with 50. When I went in, there was a room and there had to be about 100 people in that room mm. waiting to audition. Wow. Oh, there was Ryan Stiles was there. Wow. And I said, oh, man, he's going to mop the floor with the audition. What am I even doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but the thing was is... um. I looked at the characters and I, I was so respectful because it was Matt Groening's stuff, you know, and this is new. Yeah. So I was like, oh my, you know, and it's like, here I am, like at that crossroad, you know, you're going to do or die or what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And um, so the choices kind of came naturally for me. Mm. Uh, Professor Farnsworth, you know, they gave me details. They said he was 147 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I thought, well, he must be, be like rickety and fart dust and all that. Yeah, you know, right. Like a mummy. And um, and I used to sh kind of shake physically. You know, wow. 147 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. You have to right. that role. You yeah. don't really have to. It's just that that's... It's funner to. I want to throw myself into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah. But yeah, I'm and sure it translated. Mm -hmm. But... Um, did, did you start with, like, one character on Futurama? I was uh, asked to audition for The Professor mm -hmm. and for Zoidberg. Oh. Yeah. And the oh, Zap Brannigan character hadn't come into being yet. Because oh. they were going to use Phil Hartman. Right. And then right, right. how how did you expand into being most of the roster? Um, Including the main, basically the main character. Yeah, well, I, did, I did an audition for Fry on that first um, look-see. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, and I, and I thought about it and I said, you know, there's unbelievable voice people in this world. There's incredible mimics. And the broader a character is or the more cartoony... 
the easier it is for them to grab a hold of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing that's most elusive is somebody's real voice. Right. Mm -hmm. It's so true. I remember when I was 25, I was like, I was tentative, except I thought I was cool, but I'd go to say something and I couldn't find the right word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or I was a complainer. <laughs> I complained a lot and that wended its way into uh Fry, you know, because yeah. I'd be on stage, I'd play guitar, and oh man, I broke a string. Shit! <laughs> now what am I gonna do? <laughs> you know, I was whiny and complainy. Yeah. Wow. Um, with that, you know, you, you kind of use your 25 year old self for Fry. Uh, what I mean, was there a lot of part of you that you used for Doug? Um, yeah, except I didn't sound like Doug when I was 11. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> I sounded more of like on the way to being a teenager. Mm -hmm. And my voice would break in certain places because you don't know if you're a man or a boy. Your hormones <laughs> yeah. certainly haven't established that yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. That's so that not quite crack. that sort of. <laughs> you know, I have oh, something to you. say about that. You know. <laughs> that still happens to me now. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. How much hasn't changed. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. And and they liked it and they remembered it. Um, they had another guy and another woman doing Fry and Leela, but, you know, it didn't work out mm -hmm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then they went back to me, do you remember what you did? Yeah. And I most certainly did because it was a real deliberate choice. Right. Yeah. You, <clears throat> you remembered the, the decision that went behind it and you're like, oh, it's me when I was well, in my 20s. See, I'm talking like I'm now because I'm thinking about him. Yeah, right. But he was like, you know, he was a little put out. He's everything he should be at 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they, uh, I was 25 and I was like a wise ass, <laughs> a drunk and a crazy, and I was a musician. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I screamed and sang rock and roll, you know, that's how, probably how I got my lungs from. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like screaming full throat. So wow. when I did Ren and Stimpy, it was like, eh, what else you want? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, with Futurama, I read that because, I mean, you did so many characters. I mean, often the... When is the, the 20th anniversary coming up too, right? Next week. Yeah, next yeah. week is the 20th anniversary. But um, they oftentimes when you play different characters, they recorded at different times. But you had recorded all in one section, correct? Yes. And like, did you have... Was that difficult for you to go from... Because I feel like... Or easier. Or yeah. easier. Like, um, is it something that you had to really prepare for or get pumped for? Or were you like, no, these voices I know. So this line is this person. This line is this person. And it's just easier even physically and mentally to do that. Um, I, I was a freak, you know, when I was a kid. And I could make noises and come up with little voices for things. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that... You know, I was meant to do those things, like, where it's consistent. Yeah. Where the end of one thing isn't the beginning of another character. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you can, the line can get... Blurry. Blurry. Yeah. And sometimes you hear uh, the actual voice. Come through. You go, that guy's slipping. But <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, it was just like, you know... Um, Doug Funny, painfully average 11 and a half year old. And this is my dog, Pork Chop. <laughs> oh no, here comes Roger, my favorite bully. That's right, Funny. 
vote for this. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's just a switch oh you can God. kind of flip. Yeah, yeah and um, you know, young lady, bring me a sandwich from the dumpster. <laughs> it's our twentieth anniversary. Hmm. Maybe I'll eat 20 bags of garbage next week. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah. And it's it's, that voice was an amalgam of two different people I had in mind from showbiz periphery. Yeah. One was a Yiddish theater actor named Lou Jacoby. He was in the movie Arthur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's the one that leaned into Arthur and goes, What's it like to have all that money? (laughs) <laughs> you know, and then there was another guy named George Jessel. He was in a form of theater called vaudeville. This was before there was television. You could just get out of your house and go watch 12 acts mm-hmm. wow. until nightfall. Woo. You know, one after the other. And he was one of those guys. Good evening, ladies and germs. You know, and he had a marble mouth. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know the definition of a smart ass? A fellow that can sit on an ice cream cone and tell you what flavor it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, it was like, it had to be the two of those. Because look at the face on Zoidberg. I said, he's got all that... Cool meat hanging off it. It would have to be impaired to some degree, but not where you couldn't understand them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually noticed this last time watching through Futurama that the MD on his door, the M, has a quotes. He's <laughs> <laughs> not a real doctor. Medical. In a medical doctor, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I loved. And but I think the, they did an episode playing on how you came up with that voice a little bit as well, where he meets his vaudevillian uh, uncle or something. Oh, Harold Zoid. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was all, it was washed, it was all washed <laughs> yeah, yeah. up. You do this thing like I've seen uh, that you do for Zoidberg. It's like this click. What is? Yeah. Like I've always I like seeing that. Wonder the, like there's how some you, kind of. Like this, oh oh. I, <laughs> I, <gasps> what? <laughs> wow! I just that's right from Curly Howard from the yeah. Three Stooges. I just can't. <laughs> Because it's something like for me, like when I was growing up, I grew up on Looney Tunes, Ren, Stimpy, all those. And like I would practice voices. And when you'd hear something, I mean, it's like hearing um, Donald Duck is always one of those ones that people oh, are yeah. like, mm-hmm. can you do that? And it's like, it's the way that you your air and blah, blah, blah. It's but that, that thing, I'm just like, how do you do It's that? like mouth foley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mouth, foley. Foley. mouth foley. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, he, Clarence Nash was the first one I ever heard do that voice and it was for Donald Duck of course which goes way way back mm-hmm. yeah like before World War II I think yeah Whoa. um then there was um a guy in the Hanna-Barbera cartoons I don't think he was Don Messick or Dawes Butler I think he was a ringer that they brought in to do a character called Yaki Doodle oh <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah right that mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and uh it was a takeoff on Donald Duck yeah and uh but Dawes Butler and Don Messick were heroes to me, just like Mel Blanc and June Foray. Mm-hmm. Um, How is it to be compared to somebody like Mel Blanc? Because I've read that. I mean, you are. It's it's frightening. It's beyond. <laughs> frightening? <laughs> it is. It's frightening. Yeah. Because, because of the, I don't know. They were, I don't know. It's like looking, it's like looking at what? An old car. Perfectly preserved, and you compare it to today, and you go, they did everything right. Everything after the second that car was made was a step downward aesthetically Mm -hmm. and otherwise. Mm. You know? Yeah. That's how I feel about it. 
an original is an original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Classic. Yeah. And, and like all the best work was done before any of us were born. And, you know, you can try, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a few actors that are assigned those roles. Before I did it, there was a guy named Jeff Bergman. Then there was another guy named Greg Burson. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Joe Alasky did it once. And then um, I heard they're going to do Space Jam 2, but I'm not in it. Oh, okay. So they will they're recast. Lost. So yeah. it's what you're saying. It's a step down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a step, <laughs> down. step down. No, I think it's in good hands. There's an actor. He's really good. I mean, real good. Scary good named Eric Bowser. And he's, I think he's doing, I think they probably have him doing Elmer and Bugs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, wonderful. Yeah. You know, the more the merrier. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm a champion of the craft. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that job was mine for the very day that I was doing it. I, I didn't expect, you know, to come back the next day. It's like, no, you're a day player. Mm-hmm. Maybe they decided against having you and they got someone else. It's like, I always lived like that. They weren't mine. I'd feel a little differently about, you know, characters I created. Right, right, of course. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You make something mm-hmm. from scratch that's yours, but if it's an amalgamation of other things, you don't feel as like that's not. It was more of an ode. Yeah. You were actually holding on to it for a minute. Like with Bugs, you're like, okay, this is mine for a little bit. It's, like, right. it's not mine. And you want to be as damn good as you can possibly be every time you walk in. Mm-hmm. Of course. And um, that was one of my my things that I clung to was like always a thousand percent. Just leave everybody hang their jaws <laughs> hanging yeah. back and forth. Yeah. 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 You mean you do with us. So. <laughs> yeah, it's already <laughs> happened at least five or six you. times. Yeah. So Yeah, just today. My wow. goodness. Yeah. Uh yeah, sorry. I had My the, jaw is kind of hanging now. I had just, I had just one little follow talent. up thing because you it sparked a, a little thing. You said when you were twenty five, you were you know on stage saying the wrong things, that kind of thing. You try to say something would come out wrong, right? And that's a very strong characteristic of Fry as a whole. Did you have any kind of input on like, uh, for example, one of my favorite lines he has is I think Farnsworth says, "So what?" And he goes, "Why is those things?" And it's something I've held on to because I'm the same way. I'll try to say something else. You know what it is? It's this form of abandon. Mm-hmm. Like where you start out and you give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you keep talking because your mind is doing all the, the middle post production. Yeah. You know, if we just don't together, stop talking. Don't come out that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, Fry, I heard beer makes you stupid. No, I'm doesn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, um, I wasn't well thought out. Mm-hmm. I, 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 my mind was in a million other places. Yeah. You know, I had OCD. I had ADHD. You know, it's a wonder I got through <laughs> life, period. Right. Yeah. Right. I was but I think that's... born with chronic low-level depression. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Until they invented something you could actually take for it. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, th- I think little intricacies like that that you guys have helped create with these characters have helped people like me especially relate to someone like Fry. And it's mm-hmm. helped us out through through a lot of things. Be like, he's all right. He's, he's doing okay for everything he's been through, you know? <laughs> well, I wanted him to be an everyman. And I liked the idea that he, he liked girls, you know, because I liked them, but I didn't know how to connect with them. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I Preach. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't specifically after th- certain things with a girl mm-hmm. I was kind of in awe yeah and I would just like, get tongue-tied 
And um, it's Fry and Leela. And you know what I and and I remember when I did have girlfriends, uh, I was a project. Yeah. For them. Uh, you know, this fix the collar. Why do you have to go around like that? It was like my mom. <laughs> oh my God. And um, I wanted him to be a project for Leela. Yeah. Mm. You know, like she somehow has room in her heart for him, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> she seems put out <laughs> when he's around. I mean, it only took her like, what, seven seasons to finally yeah. like come around. I mean, they had, he, I think he did a lot of work. I yeah. mean, just talking about the show specifically, he put, he put the, work the in. holophone, like all of his hands, time yeah. machines. Like, I was like, man, he's well, done so much. Especially towards the end of the series when he tells Ben, I never got to tell her I loved her. He goes, You did like a hundred times, but I don't know if she meant, no, I meant it. Like, <laughs> it was fantastic. The macaroni. It spoke to all of us. But you there's know? always another thing you can say about stuff like that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if they ever brought it back, I bet you there'd be another take on that whole thing. Like I missed it, or yeah, or does the holophoner always make whoever plays it sound celestial and symphonic? Right. Or, or you know, was he just very lucky? Yeah, yeah. Or or um, or if anyone else picked it up, it would be like. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how Bender it, would Depending play. on the intent behind it all the play, right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, talking to that point, like if they ever do bring back the show and everything like that, like because of people loving it, I mean, that was kind of the thing with you're talking about like the classic car where it's like, I love the fact that it ended because like it's, it's all contained and everyone had their arcs. Everyone like, you know, Zoidberg having his like, yeah, oh. like he found love. The professor solved everything, you mm-hmm. know, and then you know. But everybody on every level of yeah. that show was a Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and know, yeah. like on, her- on down mm-hmm. the animators, the uh, track readers, the, the layouts, um, backgrounds, music. Yeah. yeah. There's no, I mean, it's no joking. My wife, it's my wife and I's favorite show. We have it, we run it constantly if we're doing things in the house or, you know, to wind yeah. down at the end of the night. Let's put on some Futurama. So I didn't know what to make of the theme when I first heard it. I said, it oh, sounds, yeah. it's it's cool because it sounds like Louie Louie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, this marble mouth idiot that <laughs> sang an anthem for a generation. Yeah. So phonetically. What he was saying. Well, I think there's a there's actually a sketch where he drops the words right before there, there's a nugget of information where he dropped the words right before oh, like and he's like, and... <laughs> like okay well um, but yeah it's a it's a it's a fascinating show and I you know coming up on twenty years is a, is a big mark the science <clears throat> was correct the math was yes, correct yes. as yes. correct as it could be but yeah, it allows you um, to play with it better because since you get it all right then you know how to bend all the rules yeah Ken Keeler would. He came up with a theory for an episode, and an entire new uh, theorem, mm. which I read about. Because he had was, a PhD in in mathematics or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was like Harvard and some <laughs> David <laughs> Cohen, like, like a community college. Somewhere that Amy Wong would have gone. Yeah. Yeah. David yeah. Cohen went to Harvard <laughs> um, University. Yeah. Now I know we also wanted to bring up because what we do here at Nerd On is we like to talk about the things that that make us nerd on. And we had asked you about uh, Twelve Angry Men, mm-hmm. um, and right before we get to that, I just have one last. Question to round out our twenty-year future uh, Futurama thing, and it's a little two-parter. Is one uh, I know you've done both, where I've, you mentioned Futurama does a lot of cast recordings all together, yes. but a lot of the time voiceover is a solitary kind of kind of job. And I was wondering which you which you prefer the strengths of both. I guess I like to work ensemble mm-hmm. because you work off the energy that's in the room. Some of the funniest stuff 
is what gets said between the business of doing it. Yeah. You know, when they stop and me and Johnny used to, we used to sing like Richie Havens doing the Amtrak song. <laughs> All aboard Amtrak. There's something about a train. This magic. You know, the yeah. best part of waking up. Folgers in your cup. You know, oh, and Johnny man. would do and we would laughing so hard. He would he'd be out of control laughing so hard that he had to be sent to a corner. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a big couch pillow and I had to put it over him. Yeah. Oh no. You could, hear, you could still hear. <laughs> well, I had read one of your favorite things to warm up wasn't doing vocal stretches and it was just riffing with, with riffing friends and stuff. With what was going on. Yeah. Like that day. You know, um, I forget. It's uh, it's always like some absurdity, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of cool though. But then From it gets the you in that that ensemble playful mood where you're now you're on the same wavelength with those people, and you can get in the booth yeah. and really kill it. Yes. Um, the final follow up question to this: the is final, it, final, 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 uh, final. <laughs> is, is I'm sure you've been asked this before. Favorite? If you have a favorite episode of Futurama, um, I love the Devil's Hands. Yes. And I love the Holophoner episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the Devil's Hands was. This is another thing that bedevils me about Ken Keeler. <laughs> <clears throat> he's a math head. He's a science head. You know, everything is logical, and he's, he doesn't even crack up laughing. And another thing about him, he doesn't like having his picture taken. I really? said, what do you think? Somebody's going to steal your soul? <laughs> <laughs> We're all friends here. Yeah. We're here to help. So, um, so he wrote the musicals. Oh, wow. Whoa. And he claimed that he, it's all math. Oh. And I'm thinking, wow. He no. no. You know what? I'm a musician. <laughs> yeah. There's there's other stuff that goes on Beyond inside. It can't be all clean clinical, you know, yeah. equations. <laughs> there's rules and then there's that that holds the rules together, the glue. I'm a musician, Corey's a musician, Caitlin's a musician. Right. So I so there's like a little I'm like there's something else. The magic. The yeah. magic. I opened them up one day. Yeah. Um, because it slipped out that he loved Brian Wilson or he liked oh, Brian Wilson yeah. from the Beach Boys. Yeah. And I told him about how I played with Brian Wilson yep. from yeah. the Beach Boys. And uh, he, he suddenly was like in wonder, like curiosity. Uh, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> that guy had gotten to him. Yeah. You know, musically. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, you could be like stone cold, um, but you listen to those songs and they speak on such a highly emotional level. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean the girls and cars and fun. I mean the stuff that he wrote on Pet Sounds, introspective, oh, yeah. Yeah. disenfranchised. The stuff, yeah. 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 Wow. You know, because I felt all that stuff. Yeah. I wasn't into, I, I, where would you find a hot rod to drive in Roslindale, Massachusetts? <laughs> or a right. surfboard? Yeah. What are you going to do? Go down the lake? Yeah. You yeah, know? Right. So, um, to kind of get into a uh, next part of our show is mm -hmm. we like to talk to our guests about something that they're uh, a nerd about, that they're a fan of. Well, and you better make it quick because I have to go. Got <laughs> <laughs> um, a ball game to catch? She's a beautiful ship. Yeah. <laughs> Fly her brains out. Yeah. Oh. I forgot to do zap. <laughs> but you did it. And there it is. <laughs> we'll have some more time. I mean, we, yeah, we got, we got t uh, 12 jurors. So Yeah, I mean. yeah that's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're talking about 12 Angry Men, uh, a film that you really liked. came out in 1957, a uh, Metro-Golden-Mayer film. Mm -hmm. um, like 
critically acclaimed, mm-hmm. yeah. like number 100% two. percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So. Parodied here and there. Yeah, number mm-hmm. two screen film in all uh, film academics. It's it's a film that, that everybody should see yeah. because of the content. The cleverness of it was that it was done in one room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The original play. Right. There was a table and 12 men, mm-hmm. and they got to uh, deliver a verdict on a murder suspect, and it's this kid. And and there's ethnicity involved. Mm. I think he was like Hispanic or something. I don't think they. I don't remember. They, they keep it very vague. Yeah, they do keep it vague. They just say he's like he's an inner city. I think kid. in the stage show, it's pretty. But uh, spoke about. But oh. mm-hmm. yeah. but he understood very little about what happened to him. Mm-hmm. And they were convinced that he's the murderer. And these guys, you know, they there's one guy that's so busy. I like to know when the hell we're gonna get out of here, you know. And and he was impatient. And then there was another guy that was like, wanted to see this kid, you know, go down, Fry. go yeah. down, yeah. and and be put away for life, you know. Yeah. Because there was Lee J. Cobb, and and he got into a fight over the fact that his racism was starting to appear. Oh yeah. Too close to the surface, Mister Mister Baker. He got mad. What he did it? That's all there is to it. Yeah. You saw him. He barely speaks English, you know, and and then you find out that something happened in his life, yeah, that caused him to act like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's, um, well, Henry Fonda appears to be like the foreman of the jury. Maybe yeah. not. Like, maybe it was there the is other a foreman, guy. but he's just that one guy that just what was not his guilty. Name uh, Irving. Oh. Do you remember his name? I do not. Uh, I just had Henry Fonda as juror number eight. But. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to use that infinite knowledge box. There's your murder weapon. Ah, what about this? Boom, and he puts another, another knife into the table. It looks, it looks exactly, exactly like it. In other words, you could find this. This weapon gets produced. You know, the person that, All over that the tried the frame up probably found it in a store, and Henry Fonda finds the same thing. Yeah. But it's it's like it it's it's not tedious because it's intense. Well, the cool thing is that every hard hitting piece of evidence gets you know like consecutively or you know uh, dismantled, defun- de- de- debunked, defunct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah as, as they go through. through the deductions, like and, the and eyewitness, the uh, the really working fu- it out like yeah. detail by detail. But who, how could he do that? The person if who this called happened? the the police. Uh, the way that the knife was stabbed and it's like, if you were shorter, how would you stab? It keeps you guessing. But also, how does the switchblade get used? But I mean, we watch, you know, TV or movies and mostly TV like on those reality things. I don't know if oh. they show uh, the anatomy of a jury room. Yeah. I, I don't they think they- kind of keep it out of the- They do. And we're left at home judging them. Yeah, so, to speak, so this like, play is, is just so- delightful and majestic that it allows us an inside look like a scope down your throat or whatever yeah. you know like hey i can see the insides of this yeah um, i think the closest thing they did to that was a american crime story with oj versus people oh mm-hmm. yeah they just, had, they just had one hour-long episode where it just showed like how the juror there was like there for like six months yeah i was trying to go crazy oh, he led yeah. everybody on a wild goose yeah. chase <laughs> but this one shows like the intimacy of it and like right. the cinematographer even said specifically like they wanted to shoot very wide to show like the geography and then slowly by the end it's just close-ups to show the claustrophobia that you're getting and then you know on the first frame you see uh juror number seven jack warden 
who's like sweating, wiping yes. off sweat. So mm-hmm. it's like it's a hot day, opening windows. Well, the room isn't much bigger than this room here. Yeah. Right. Maybe five feet more. Josh, and that's how small our audience doesn't know that. We're in a mansion, everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's a giant room. <laughs> We're in a recording studio. That's smaller. <laughs> it's a mausoleum. Yes. Yes. But it's very cheap to rent one. <laughs> you kids don't bother no bodies, though, okay? Okay. All um, right. But at the very Leave the stiffs alone. <laughs> at the at the very end, Henry Fonda, you know, has led other people to kind of think, think. And it's not even that they think he's not guilty. They just think that his life is worth more than a five minute conversation. But you you go away thinking, wouldn't it be great if everybody was forced to be well thought out? Because mm-hmm. yeah. there aren't a lot of well thought out people that you witness, mm-hmm. you know, that just seem to be in your face. Mm-hmm. People that that think with emotions. And they want something to be true so bad that they ignore truth. Yeah. Um, that's what 12 Angry Men is. You watch people that are real flawed yeah. Yeah. making decisions. That was another powerful point. You well, know, uh, deciding someone's fate, whether yeah, they live yeah. or die. And it's it's still really relevant. It's relevant today. today. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, specifically with the, you know, Jack uh, Warden, you know, who just wants to see the baseball game. He's like pretty amoral. He's like, he could care less guilty That's or not right. guilty. But specifically what you're saying, like, they're flawed. The one that I really liked seeing the most was um, E.G. Marshall, juror number four, who was the day trader. Yeah. He was r- super well thought out. You know, he was a little disconnected from everybody. He was disconnected yeah. um, like... He he seemed like he, the way he played it. It seemed like the longer he stayed there, he started to get stiff because maybe there was something about him that would come out. Yeah, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? He yeah. was like, I don't know about that. He's so composed that yeah, like he's so about too to break. composed. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's about a crack. Yeah, and, and I think then that, there was, was cool. um, John Fiedler for voice uh, number two. Obsessed people. He oh. was. Um, um, not Winnie the Pooh. He no, was, um, he was juror number two. No, 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 no. But he's he talking was, about outside uh, of that. He was, uh, was it Pig, Piglet or Piglet. something? Piglet, yeah. And he would go, I don't know about this boy. You know, he had like a boy, uh, mm-hmm. he was a man boy. Yeah. There were a yeah. bunch of them in those days. Oh, yeah. this is the one that was uh, super excited to be the juror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like this. He's is in a great. He's in a great episode of uh, Twilight Zone too. By the way, one of the Christmas. Yeah, he's also Christmas in a Star Trek episode where he played the entity of Jack the Ripper. Right. Oh. Oh. What? Oh. Make you suffer. <laughs> die. Die. Oh my God. That is creepy. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of voice, very unsettling. Like, nightmare yeah. fuel. Nightmare, nightmare fuel. But it, but it made me crazy when I saw that episode because I said, I know who this is. He's this. He's this thing. frantic little man that I've heard. Uh, Your whole life. Since I was a kid, yeah. you know, and there was another frantic little man named Percy Helton. And I used uh, sort of a send up of that guy for a character in um, Disenchantment. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, the Elf King. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was film noir where a beautiful blonde would move into a cheesy mm-hmm. apartment complex and. There'd be this dirty little old man that left his door open, you know, so he could catch her like a spider when she came home from work and stuff. He'd be like, oh, Billy, you look wonderful tonight. (laughs) Oh, you look so beautiful, Billy. I think you and I should go out. (laughs) You know, and I used him as a character in Disney Yeah, I started watching that, so that was pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, awesome. There's just such a richness of all that showbiz periphery. Mm-hmm. I I prefer that to inspiration rather than you know it's like, um, 
Oh, God, who am I thinking of? Um, oh, yeah, give me one good um, Beatrice Arthur for 20. Um, what's his name? Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Everybody, you know, everybody does that, and it's like, I like, you know, I'm going to wrap your legs around your head like a cheap turban. <laughs> <laughs> Ma, Blanche. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, the that was Beatrice Arthur. Yeah. Come on, stand yeah. up. For yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, or Walter, shut up. <laughs> it oh sounds God. like you use a lot of. I mean, for me as an actor, I mean, looking at something like Twelve Angry Men and just everything that every person has a distinct personality, and then you're also taking into mind those different actors like mm -hmm. Henry Fonda. It sounds like you use a lot of um, inspiration per se, but in inspired by people that you've heard that like voices juice. like yeah yeah juice their so essence like, yeah um, there was <laughs> there was also a guy in 12 angry men you didn't hear much from him but he's it's funny that you didn't hear much from him because he's an announcer that's been in tons of commercials yeah i don't think in the past 20 years maybe not but he had a slight new york accent and he'd go you know well maybe you fellas don't care you know and he would do Boar's head, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that voice. Yeah, I mean, it's he was the voice yeah. of the um, the announcer for Boar's, Boar's head. head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the lunch meat. Kind of, yeah, yeah, meats. The cuts. Meat. Cold cuts. Get, the New York accent would give him away. Boar's head. I mean, that's another part of your career that's so amazing is you've you've lent your voice to characters that we we were talking about it like the red M&M and then Buzz the Bee for how does that Cheerios. I mean for yeah. Cheerios I mean how does that feel to be like oh wow I'm I haven't done that B in like, God, it has to be 20 something years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was so part of my childhood too, where it's like, it I hate honey nut Cheerios. Genderless, yeah, right. you know, <laughs> cloying, annoying. <laughs> yeah. so, honey nut Cheerios, it's irresistible. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Ali? I was going to say, are you still actively doing Red Eminem? Yes. Yeah. There oh, wow. Yeah. Have you ever eaten me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever eaten a movie for them yet? You yeah, know, they, they have should. all the yeah, production where's the, values. Where's the M&M movie at? The commercials are like, yeah. I'm invested in these characters at this Especially point. Especially with the rocket, and then it's like, they're like trying to get out. I was yeah. like, oh, well, there was an ad exec. He was new, and I figured he had everything to prove, so he had this highfalutin idea where Red was going to get behind a grand piano in a concert hall mm -hmm. and sing the meatloaf song. Um, <laughs> I would do anything for But I won't do that. Yeah. And uh, we had a hard time, like, finding out how we were going to do it technically mm -hmm. because the song is in a key that Red didn't really sing in. Mm -hmm. So we figured it out. But this guy was a whiz kid. I mean, he that commercial knocked everybody on their yeah. ass. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, remember that. I recall that one. There what is that. it? Wait a minute. What is it that he wouldn't do? What <laughs> yeah, right. What is the, did what is she the question? Ask him to do that he won't. Do. Maybe that's the brilliance of it. We have to use our imaginations to. Got to be an interview somewhere where Meatloaf let it. Well, sit. he wasn't gonna. <laughs> Red Eminem wasn't gonna let girls on a couch eat him whole. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty obvious. A more that was that an obvious. And this and this and this and that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or yeah, let Yellow like make a decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's fair. Right. <laughs> right. 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 By the way, um, the Yellow Eminem. Yeah. Um, there used to be this show on TV. It was on HBO. It was a prison show called Oz. Oz, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the worst guy in the prison was this white supremacist, you know, who uh, 
Schillinger. It's a great show. Schillinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who was filled with dirty tricks and he would murder somebody to get his way and everything. And he was actually frightening. So I was married at the time and I used to go to my house in New York and I'd come in and she said, have you seen Oz? I go, no, I haven't. Sit down, sit down and watch this. I've seen this episode. So sit and watch this. They're playing it again. Mm -hmm. And she said, she said, wait for it right there. That guy, that MF, he ain't no actor. He's the real deal, you know? And yeah. I and I went, <laughs> <laughs> and she went, what? I said, I know him. You do? I said, yeah, he's the yellow M&M. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yellow M&M. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he's he was the also, real deal. God, he was everything. He was... Um, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Yeah. He stole that Spider-Man movie. Oh, yeah. Parker! Yeah. You know, and 100%. he won an Oscar for Whiplash. Yep. Oh, yeah. Two Ooh. days later, he's in recording an M&M's commercial with me after he won an Oscar. Oh, my god. That goodness. guy is what you call a journeyman. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. he didn't disappear off into Mount Olympus over in Westwood. Yeah. You know, and sit in his palatial house and just yeah. say, I won an Oscar. Yeah. Kiss his Oscar like... Mm. Yeah, That's like, you know, <laughs> hard to beat me, huh? Yeah. No, he was back craft. on the trail like a journeyman. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Because to him, and I've always been the same way, it's like uh, everything is of equal importance. Yeah. yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't go in like convinced you're going to throw this fight, mm-hmm. you know, because you're just personally not interested. Yeah. But they get what they get or whatever. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. in it. Yeah, a there's a lot of um, actory actor types that, um, you know, it it it's like some of them will have enormous success and then sort of disappear and then sort of sniff around when it's time to come out again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pay bills. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, but then, you know, then we get people like you who every every single job you're giving us a hundred and. 10%. It's the reason you've been around for all of us uh, for as long as you have. It's almost like I've been doing voices, I think, professionally for almost 39 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I also used to screw around in bands when I was playing in music. Playing mm-hmm. music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the amp would blow up. There was like, not, the electrical thing hadn't been sewn up yet. <laughs> and there right. were no roadies. <laughs> you know, you're just playing a club and your amp blows up. You know, what do you do? Yeah. So I used to get the mic and I used to do, um, God, what would I do? Like Elvis impressions. <laughs> yeah. Um, Save the show. Yeah, yeah you got it. Distract them. Look over here. Them then them. I started leaning into it and I started bringing props, you know, expecting a <laughs> disaster. <laughs> like a blonde wig and Dolly Parton was big at the time. Uh-huh. And um, I used to film, fill this shirt with like, pieces of paper that make it look like cephalothorax (laughs) (laughs) and they used to sing here they come again yeah nice like a real good little sexist very very important question is there video of this and can I watch it I don't think there is oh I don't think there is one of those things that happened and was momentary and if you missed it those magic moments you talked about yeah. Everything's a step down after but 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 it was like real show business it wasn't just like playing music it was like I kind of enjoyed these departures. Right. You know, and messing around with comedy on stage. Look where I got you. Um, well, when I planned stuff, when I had written stuff and memorized it, it would never go over. 
Mm. It was just like if I went out and didn't have an agenda and just threw shit against the wall to see what sticks, I was better off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, wow. I don't have the discipline. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really yeah. appreciate you taking the time and talking to us, talking to our audience. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's been crazy and amazing and all the things that we ever could have hoped for. Yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. you when, for, whenever uh, we get into um, the new season of Disenchantment, I'll come back and talk about it. I would love that. Oh, that would be that. awesome. And there's Dave Herman is on it, Maurice LaMarche, Tress McNeil. Mm-hmm. Um, John DiMaggio. Yeah. yeah. You know, a lot of the heavy hitters from Futurama. Is there yeah. anything right now that you'd like our audience to go check out? I mean, Disenchantment, if they can um, watch it in some other You can way. watch it on Netflix, yeah. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Oh, I have a YouTube channel I yeah. put up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah, include it's the, all the real links. Billy West. Yeah. Yeah, we'll and, put all the links up for you. No yeah, problem. and I just, my, you know, my, I film these little things of me just like going off with characters. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it could be sort of a tutorial, but I have to know, do what I know best because I can't teach you how to be successful. I can't teach you instinct. Right. Yeah. Instinct could be learned, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it it's can like be learned, like but to have exercise. it, you know, that's why they say some people have it, some people just don't. Yeah. They don't get it. And and you'll see a performer and you go, she gets it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you just know. Mm-hmm. All the green lights light up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Everything's in alignment. Yeah. yeah but nice. um, but yeah, I'm gonna just keep putting stuff up on my uh, YouTube channel, and I have um, the BillyWestPodcast.com. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Where there's all that. these old episodes of a podcast that I did. I went through and listened to all those. You also uh, have a uh, Twitter. Weekend. Yeah, the yeah. thing, the show is just pure silly because yeah, I didn't want to talk about religion and I didn't want to be dirty. I was on the Stern Show. I've done yeah, right. all those things. So I wanted it to be just purely absurd. Somebody called it meta absurdism. <laughs> I'll take cool it. Title. That's yeah. perfect. That's a pretty cool title. I'll take so it. You coin. Yeah, people awesome. after me for things like, <laughs> remember when you said this? Oh, I know. How about yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, shout out to Twenty Years of Futurama. Yeah. Yes. Thank you yes. for bringing characters to life that have Big made show. us laugh and also cry a lot. I <laughs> have separation anxiety. I really. Yeah. I, that was my favorite show. Twice, huh? Of all time. <laughs> you and me both. Well, we, you know, they, it kept coming back. Yeah. So. We're pretty loud, the fans. They weren't sure how <laughs> yeah. to do an ending sure. episode. They oh. they kind of left stuff. They open. did it beautifully. That's, like, it honest, didn't they, they yes, they did. I agree with you. They did like Life Goes On to like, Cycle. So I had an existential crisis when that episode came out. I was like, ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I cried. Oh I cried. I well, they, like, yeah. they addressed that in an uh, ecological episode. Mm-hmm. You know, micro life and oh yeah, um, yeah. oh with the the circle yeah, yeah. amphibious like you know no Can't, no yeah. reason no <laughs> it just happens it just yeah. happens and then robot yeah, it's the a, robot it's life a, it's yeah. a wonderful uh, a show that can make you laugh that hard and and f- actually feel something really real within the same episode is pretty magic so well, thank you I was for all that. really wistful when I watched um, Fry's Dog oh. I was really wistful and I read it I knew what it was about I recorded it. But when I saw it, mm-hmm. I was just moved. I, I had, you know, because because I love animals. Yeah. I'm bonded with a few of them. And, um, you know, I always say it's a cliche. They make us better than we are. Mm-hmm. And I always say, I wish I was half the man those stupid cats thought I was. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got a cat at home just like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to, you know, let you know, uh, highly respected your work. Like the, I think top five episodes, like four of them are like, 
when Fry finds out about the Shamrock with Yancey, with his mom. Oh, Boy, the, they the, knew the how to the write dream. these yeah. things yeah. that would like shake Rip your you. soul. Oh, yeah. To shreds. But, I mean, even with the, the Beast with a Thousand Backs or... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Bender's big score where you find out about the future and the the code and yeah. so how he lived his life and it's like I'm it's like what? I don't know there's yeah. a lot of really great really moments well that happen with Fry and it's like yeah. God. Yeah. well he mm-hmm. he was Beautiful. very lucky for such a character like him that is so unassuming to have all these things have happened to him mm-hmm. you know and uh, like I said I I loved that show and if they ever open the door again. I think it would be fantastic. We're crossing our fingers. Yes. All of them. All of us. Well, yeah, me for, too. Thank yeah, yeah. you for everything that you gave to us. Oh, I mean, really, my pleasure. Yeah. Um, everybody at home, thank you so much. It was so either much. that or drive a truck. Full <laughs> <laughs> yeah. time. Take your pick. Uh, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to our patrons who keep this show, keep our lights on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate you. Thank you to everybody that shares Patroning the show. Patroning them. Yes. Patroning them. Um, Thank you. Patroning us. Throw money at these people. It's well <laughs> worth it. <laughs> Listen to Billy West. Yes, yeah, yeah. Billy West. If uh, you want and can. We have another podcast, uh, first Monday of every month, uh, Trope Time. Um, but yeah, it's so such an awesome es- episode. Thank yes. you, Billy West. That's all fair, folks. You know the drill, as always. Nerd on. Broadcast.